Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about a little bit about social media and focusing in on your audience and building a community and also making work that's remarkable, which kind of fits in to that topic. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I was thinking of this being a good topic because people are always trying to get more followers, right? It's like, right. I feel like if you had, how many people are in the world? Seven billion people? Something Seven like billion-ish, that. yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if you had six billion nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine followers <laughs> you would just focus on that one person that you don't have you know what i mean right <laughs> and so like that's just so stupid because you already have a following and so how can we as artists worry less about the people we don't have and more about the people we do have that makes sense how we can keep them as followers and give them value right and in turn, that will probably help us grow an audience anyway, because the more value we offer to the people who are following us, the more likely they are to tell other people or share things. Right. And so the reason I thought of this too is, well, I heard someone else do a podcast about it and they talked about some interesting things. But also, this has obviously happened to you, where you go to like a party or maybe you just go out to dinner with someone and say you're talking to someone at the party and all they're doing is looking around for like someone better to talk to or you're out to dinner with someone and they're just texting other people the whole time. I feel like that's what it's like if you're always just trying to get new followers. Your people that are already following you maybe are going to feel like you don't appreciate them or something. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I see that a lot even when I'm networking and I kind of feel like, am I just that boring? Am I just that uninteresting that you just want to jump to someone else trying to get out of this conversation as fast as you can? Yeah. And yeah, I do take it a little personally sometimes, but I also do the same thing sometimes. It's hard not to. But when people do it to you, it's hard not to notice it too. You don't mean anything to them. Yeah. And they probably are thinking like, I can't get anything out of this conversation. This person has nothing to offer me. So I'm going to look for somebody that does, especially if you're networking and they're trying to find jobs from it, you know? Right. The thing is, you don't know who's going to offer you the next big job. Right. So you might be ignoring someone that's right in front of you. Right. And trying to get to somebody else, right? Yeah, it's true. And the fact is, if you even only have 500 followers, let's say, if you could really engage all 500 of them, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's very good. You have 500 people now that are like tight-knit community, and you can really do a lot with that on social media. I was thinking, I just closed out. I had notes that I had taken, to, (laughs) and of course I closed it out. How did I do that? That's so annoying. Well, they also say, have you heard the saying where if you have a thousand diehard fans, you're set for life? Yeah, that's true. And like a thousand diehard fans, meaning they're always going to like what you post or buy that new product that you've come out with. And once Mm -hmm. you have that real strong cohort, then you're set. And I think another good way to put it is people are always worried about width and not depth. So what I mean by that is you want a huge following a wide following, whereas you're better off with maybe a smaller following, but that has you have really deep connections with the people that are following you. Mm. So depth is more important than width when it comes to social media and connecting with your audience. Makes sense. I think that I could relate to that as far as my business goes. A lot of my business comes from personal relationships that I've made face-to-face. Yeah. And so you have that depth of trust and depth of relationship 
I don't have huge numbers, but I'm still making a living because of those connections. So I like this idea of bringing that same theory to social media. I know I always think about followers trying to get more and trying to just build those numbers. But you're right, I don't focus enough on the depth and, and providing the value to the current fans. And so we'll talk about that. And I did lose my notes. I must have just hit the delete button while I was looking at I had in my notes app on the iPhone. So that's frustrating. But I remember a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about anyway. So we should be all right. And then lose my train of thought as soon as I say that. <laughs> it's going to be fine. We'll get through this. So I'm thinking as far as depth and width, you're right. It's so easy to focus on growing your following. Mm-hmm. And why do we do that? It doesn't really make sense. But it's kind of a human trait. I know my my mom would always say like when we were younger, my brother and I, they would bring us to like Disney World or or something like that. And all we cared about when we were on a ride was like, what ride are we going on next? Right. We weren't even enjoying the ride we were on. You know what I mean? Because we were just so focused on which ride do we want to do next? And so maybe that's kind of like the same human trait that you're just so focused on what you don't have or what you want next. I wonder if we equate it the same way as we do money because you can't go deep with money it's only a number and you can only get more of it or less of it and i think we're treating these followers the same way as if they're just a dollar bill that we're going to have more or less of right but it's not the same and we need to no, we need not. to change that yeah what are ways you can show appreciation for the followers you have i like the one thought of showing appreciation to followers by doing things that aren't scalable And so what that means is if you have, especially if you're starting, we're talking about building a business here, right? We're artists, we're trying to sell our art, we're trying to do something. So the best thing you can do when you have a small business that you're trying to grow is things that you wouldn't be able to scale onto a huge level. So in other words, when I first started selling prints and things like that, every single package I sent out, I would put a little note, a thank you note. And I would even do it like a little doodle on the note. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can do that for the first few years and eventually you'll get big enough where that's just not a feasible thing anymore. But it means so much to the people that are getting those notes because it shows you personally cared right. and they're way more likely to continue coming back and buying more from you because they feel connected. I got a personal note. And there's other things like that that aren't scalable, right? When people email you and DM you. Once you get big enough, you might not be able to DM everyone back. But until that time, you should be DMing every single person back Yeah, and emailing everyone back. I even heard someone said they're actually a pretty big artist. They have a really huge following. And even now they still do this. They say when people send them DMs, if they get one that they really like the question or connect with, they'll send them voice DM. Wow. He said if it's a person that is a really big fan of yours, they might be really happy to get that voice DM, you know, it might be really cool to them. Yeah, I like that idea. And it's a little easier too. It's more personal and still easier on right to give. Yeah. Yeah. On Instagram, you can just hit the little microphone button, right. say what you want to say. And that person sees, oh, I got a new message. Oh, that person emailed me back or messaged me back. They click on it and now they see it's a voice thing. Ooh. I'd be excited if I had like an artist that I was really into and I asked them a question and not only do they get back to me, but it was via voice. Yeah, I like that a lot. There's so many little things like that that you can do. The biggest thing is providing value. If you could give before you take, that's the best business model to have, I think. You grow trust. Of course, it's to an extent. You give what you can. 
Right, right. And sometimes it's giving knowledge, information, how to do something, giving people a, a peek into your process, how you work, how you live. They just want to see that there's a human behind this facade that we're putting up. We're putting up the right. best ofs all the time, but we're not really seeing the authenticity all the time. And so as soon as you could see that authenticity in someone, you start to break down this trust wall, this barrier that divides us, especially on social media. And now your audience can connect with you better. You can connect with the audience better. And there's a better back and forth. And so you have to find out what way are you unique also, like that you can put yourself out there so that they really can connect with you. Mm -hmm. For instance, I know whenever I talk about having Tourette's, I get a ton of comments and messages about maybe it's from other people that have it, but it's a lot of times not. It's from someone who has anxiety or depression and they still can relate to what I said. So I'm building, I'm trying to build a community with people. I don't want them to feel like I just feel like they're my followers. It's kind of weird because on social media, some sites, they're called followers, but some like on Facebook, they're called for your friends, I guess it would. Right. And so you should view them as your community or your friends, no matter what the terminology is it. If you just view them as followers, then I don't know, it's hard to want to build a community with someone that views themselves as the leader. You know what I mean? Like it it should be like everyone's equal. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And so that might be a challenge. And the bigger the audience you have, maybe the more of a challenge that becomes, but I think it's definitely important. And so that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Do you have anything that you could think of that you've done or that you do that is not scalable? That is not scalable. I know when I do the tell me what to draws, that's not scalable. And so for a while, I haven't been able to do it past several weeks. But when COVID started, I started doing these weekly tell me what to draws. And every Sunday at noon, I would go live on Instagram for an hour and collect ideas on what I should draw that day from the audience. And I'd write them on post-it notes and then try to put them together and, and make something new on the spot in front of everybody. Yep. And then everyone would chime in and try to make the concept and thing together. And that was great and all. And I thought that was nice because I was giving entertainment. I was trying to give insight to how I work, how I think, and bring people in to this process. But this is also something that's time-based. And because it's time-based, it's not scalable. It's scalable in the sense where I, sure, I could get more people watching and could maybe increase sales of prints and that kind of thing. But there's a cap. There's, a, there's only so much you can do in a week right. by yourself in this format. Yeah, that's a great example, definitely, of something that is not scalable that helps build foster a community for sure. I really like doing giveaways or when I do make a sale on Etsy or something, I like to add something, whether it's a sticker, you know, something little. Yeah. And even giveaways to a point aren't scalable. No, it's true. So I just ordered a record and a t-shirt from like a really small record label Mm -hmm. that happens to have a band on it that I really like. And I got the package this morning and it had so much extra stuff in the package. And I immediately went on my computer and ordered more stuff from them because of it. So it came with one record and one shirt. And for free, they gave me a comb, a patch, like six stickers, and then five additional seven inch records of all their different bands and different singles. So I can listen, they're hoping I listen to these singles and like it and want to buy the whole album from the band. And did you like any of those? I haven't listened to them yet. 
I'm definitely going to. So what did you buy right after? They signed Rancid to their label, mm-hmm. who's like an old punk band, and they have a ton of seven inches. They have one album that's not available anymore on vinyl, but you can get the entire album in singles. So I ordered that. I'm excited to see if they're going to throw in the same free gifts or it'll be different ones it might just be the same ones but made me order again that's cool i don't think i would have if i hadn't opened that package to so many free gifts and also made me want to go on and make stickers and stuff of my work so that i can throw in yeah and right now i have a business card and a postcard that i try to stick in every package yeah but if i had a business card a postcard and a little pack of stickers that's pretty cool i think i'd be excited to open up a print or, or a book to a few little things like that. Totally. It is an investment to get all the freebie stuff to give away, but I th- I think it ends up working out in your favor in the end. Maybe it might be worth it to try to buy sticker sheets that you could print yourself. Have you done that on your printer? I haven't. I've been doing the sticker mule thing and getting stickers that way. I think they're just good quality and then I don't have to think about it and it's not too expensive. All right, maybe I'll do it through them. I want to do something just because it's it's like a cool thing that I think people will will dig. Yeah. It might be scalable, maybe it's not. Another thing that's not scalable that I'm doing now is coaching. I offer 1-hour coaching for like a set price and I help other artists by looking at their work with them, giving them a critique, giving them ideas for how they could grow. And if I got to the point where I had a million followers that were all really invested, like I don't think I'd be able to offer that anymore because it might be too busy. Because right. right now I'm only doing like one or two a week at the most. Yeah. And even one or two a week, that's probably about how many I'd want to do anyway. I don't think I'd want to do a lot more than that because you know, it takes time. Yeah. And it's something I enjoy, but I think if I did too many of them, I maybe wouldn't enjoy it anymore. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time and it's it's a lot more time than just the face-to-face time too. There's other prep stuff. Yeah, I have to look at their work mm-hmm. and actually come up with critique of it. And I have them send me like their goals, their short-term goals, their long-term goals so that I can see where they want to be. And that way I can help point them in the right direction. All the time to schedule a Zoom call. It adds up, adds up to probably like two, three hours for the one hour session, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's probably an hour session would take about two, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So it's not like terrible, but it's more time consuming than maybe people realize. Yeah. So that's not really scalable, but it helps all the people that I've done that for just connecting with them on a personal level for an hour. I'm sure that that's really helped foster a community of these people. And it's been cool. I've had a couple people that booked more than one. And so it's been really cool and I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm going to keep doing it. But that's a great way to focus on the people that I have. And this podcast is another way that we're offering something that's content to people that follow us, right? Right. And so that's a way. So I want to talk about making remarkable work. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because when you have a following on social media, there's an algorithm, right? And so in order for your posts to be seen by even the people that are following you, what happens is they show that post, they put your post up in front of a few of your followers, and it's usually the ones that are more likely to engage with your stuff. And then if they engage with it at a high level, they'll show it to the rest of your followers. And so you want to make work that people want to engage with. And that's what making remarkable work means. It's like making work that people want to remark on. Not just really good work. (laughs) Right. Because that's what sometimes you think, right? Like I'm going to make remarkable work just means great work. But no, you want to make work that people want to remark on. So Basically, people talk about books and movies 
that are easy to talk about. That there's some cool plot twist or there's just something great about it or it's relatable. And I know it's like a hard concept to think about. Like, how am I going to make all of my posts and work remarkable? It's not going to happen. It's hard enough to even come up with posts every day, right? Yeah, I have a hard time even thinking about what would make something remarkable. Do you think it's mainly the written post underneath it that you're actually posting it I with? I think there's, yeah. Like you're, you're posing a question to try to get a conversation going about the work? or That's what I wanted to talk to you about. How can you make remarkable work? I'm trying to think of when I'm scrolling through, what types of things am I more likely to comment on? Because likes are great, but comments are better. Yeah. The more comments you get, the more your posts will spread and more people will comment. And so I think, yeah, a great way to do that is having a caption that is asking a question or getting people to think. In advertising, this is considered a call to action. Right. Every time there's an advertisement of any sort, there's a purpose and a call to action is what they want you to do, whether it's click the link, buy the product, it could be anything. So right. if we think advertisers when we're posting, that could help add that remarkability that we're yeah. talking about. And think about what people like to talk about. It's usually things that people are passionate about. And so if you can use topics that people like to talk about and comment on in your work, then you're probably more likely to get people to react. Also, maybe things that are provocative are more likely to get people to react. Right. I'm trying to think what I react to. I do react and comment to things that are beautifully done in that kind of remarkable sense. It is a remarkable piece of art. It yeah. stopped me dead in my tracks. I, I leave a comment. Sure. That, that's like really hard to do. That's harder to do. Yeah. Yeah. But then I also leave comments and get baited in when it's controversial. That's what I'm saying. When it's political. Yeah. Yep. When it's something that makes me mad. Yeah. I feel yeah. like... I feel like... Evoking emotion. <laughs> right. I feel like people are more... I don't want to promote <laughs> like just spreading negativity, but it's important to understand what you engage with and why you engage with it and how you can bring that back into your engagement for your own channel. I think maybe the next time you scroll through TikTok or Instagram, you should actually just try to do it naturally. But if something makes you stop and catches your eye and even makes you comment, maybe make a note. Why did that make you comment? What was it about it that made you stop? And is there a way you can use that same premise or concept mm -hmm. in your own posts, right? Not steal their idea. That's not what I mean. I just mean, like you're saying, if it post made you annoyed, and that's why you comment. Not that you want to annoy people, but the, <laughs> the point is like, people are likely to react if you put a strong opinion out there. They're either going to agree with your opinion and maybe want to comment, like 100% agree, or they're going to disagree and tell you why you're wrong. Yeah, I think if you could tug on any emotion, that would help. If you can guide a conversation with your words and the comments, like in, in your caption, that could help. Leading questions, maybe an easy one is, do you like this or do you like that? And it's just an A or B answer. Yeah. And that sometimes starts 
some traction with engagement. That's a great thing too, like to think about. So if you're doing a piece of art and maybe you're trying to decide like, should I do it this way or that way? If you're doing it digitally, you could put up the two options and see what people like. Mm -hmm. And you're asking them for their opinion. Yeah. People like that. And frame it, but frame it nicely. So what's the purpose of this thing? So if you were a doctor, do you think you would want this or this? Or if you were a teacher, would you consider buying this or this for your classroom. If you put up the parameters and try to be a little more clear and focused and guided, I think it's then way easier for someone to engage with that. A lot of times I think it's like, well, here's my thing. Well, what do you think? Well, I think a lot of things about it, but I'm not going to write them all down. And then even if I was confident enough to write them all down, how many people are actually confident to do that? Or especially strangers. Are you going to give an honest opinion to a stranger when they're not even asking for a real honest opinion? It's like it's too too open-ended. So you narrow in, make it easy for an engagement. That's so true. Limit their choices. Thinking about like opinion-based content, if you're going to go that route, do it in a respectful way because I'm thinking about when I'm scrolling through TikTok and if I disagree with something and whether I'm going to want to comment. For instance, I'm someone that I believe in God. I believe in creation, right? And so if I were to, this happens a lot, I'll scroll through TikTok and you'll see like an atheist and sometimes they'll be really smug and condescending to people that believe in God and maybe their opinion I don't agree with, but I'm not going to comment because they seem like they're just full of themselves. They don't want to argue in good faith, Mm -hmm. I guess. But I've seen videos where people are like, hey, I have a genuine question for people that believe I'm an atheist. And then they ask their question, I'd be way more likely to comment on theirs. Or you can just tell like how the way that someone frames their question, the way their demeanor, the wording. And so if you are going to have strong opinions, know that the people that take the opposite opinion, they're also human beings. And they like to be treated with respect just like you do. And they have valid reasons, right? Right. And most of the time, they're not meant to be hurtful reasons, but maybe they just don't understand why it's hurtful. Right. From their experiences and their perspectives, they don't understand your perspective and what you've experienced. Right. You know, so that's a great way to put it. So we have to remember that. Just remember, you can actually state really strong opinions, but do it in a nice way and get tons of interaction with your posts. You don't have to do it in a rude way that angers people, but it still can make them feel strongly and evoke emotion. Mm -hmm. I don't think you want to evoke tons of anger and irritate people. I don't think that's the best way to... Yeah, you'll get a lot of engagement, but it's like not the type of engagement you probably really want, especially as like an artist where you're trying to sell your work. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess that depends. I don't know the real answer to that. There's definitely people that spend their whole social media career or their whole persona is just being negative and fighting with people. Mm -hmm. And maybe they do well with that if that's who you want to be. But I don't need that type of negativity. So that's why I'm saying try to do things in a respectful way. But another way to be remarkable is also to do something out of the ordinary, right? So I know whenever I post a video on Instagram, it always gets way more views than a still image because most of my posts are still images. And so now I'm posting something different. And people are more likely to stop for a second and maybe comment on it. So is there a way you can post something that's totally new for you or totally different from what you normally do? Yeah, that's interesting. 
surprise people, I guess. Do you think it's surprising when, I guess I don't show my face very much on my Instagram page, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Whenever you put a picture of yourself up, because I do it so rarely, I usually get a good amount of comments. I bet you would too. That's interesting. Yourself in the studio working. Because in the beginning, having Instagram, I remember thinking I need to put my best of, make it professional. People want to see the finished work. And that's been changing pretty quickly where sure they want to see the nice finished stuff, but they also want to see the process behind it. They want to see the person behind it. They want to see who you are, why you are, how did you get there? I think people are just craving for that humanity. I think so. Because people spend so much of their time online nowadays, they want to see realness, they want to see humanity. And so if you can post in a way that that makes them feel that and feels connected, they're going to appreciate it. Yeah. So that's definitely interesting. I'm trying to think of other ways you can be remarkable with your posts and your work. I mean, you definitely can tackle subjects that are interesting to people that people connect to, Mm -hmm. you know, people can relate to. Have you ever done any of those draw this in your style type of challenges where people would post on Instagram a piece they did, but then invite other artists to try to recreate this piece, but in their own style? No. That's interesting, though. It would be cool to do a contest like that or something, you know? Yeah. I've seen this several times, or quite a bit, actually, illustration and art kind of communities on Instagram. And uh, there's sometimes some pretty neat engagement around wonder if that's a way to be remarkable. I think so. It's just doing something different or something out of the ordinary or like you're talking about, asking people to engage. Even though you're asking someone to do something that's actually taking a lot of work on their part, if they were to have to draw something in their own style, you might not get that many entries in your contests that you're doing or whatever, but the people that do actually do it are going to be so engaged with the whole process. Right. There's things like that. I always worry with things like that, that I'll do that and then nobody will draw it in their style. What if nobody cares? Yeah, true. I remember the when I was first starting on Instagram, like the first contest I did, I was so nervous. I'm going to post that says, you know, in order to enter to win this free piece, comment and like this thing. And I was so worried I was going to do that and get no comments. But you have to get over that. You have to realize nobody really cares if you get a low engagement post. And, you know, you're the only one that really is thinking about that type of stuff. Right. Or over concern. And the fact is you're going to get some engagement and you've got to try new things. You've got to be brave, right? Right. Have a contest. And even if there's only 10 people that comment to enter your contest, it's like, well, that's your first contest. Big deal. Maybe you do keep doing it every once in a while and, and it should grow. I know I recently tried doing a contest that did better than others that I've done before, where it was a contest just for people who have bought pieces in the past. Yeah. And so to enter, you just post my piece on your wall, like whatever, wherever it is, post it. And that's how you entered the competition. And then after a certain amount of time, I randomly chose one of those people to get a free print of their choosing, you know? So now you're rewarding the fact that their previous their previous customers. patrons yeah you have to be careful with certain things you can't require purchase to enter a contest what you did is okay because it was based on something they had already purchased it wasn't like you were telling them to go purchase something right but yeah you do have to be careful oh i didn't know that i guess that that would that's a gray area then for what i know you what you did is totally fine because you're telling people that they had to post something they had on their wall currently right yeah yeah i think if you were to say like i'm gonna give away a free piece of art 
in order to enter, you have to buy something from my shop. I think that's a sketchy area because a lot of states that would be illegal in. Gotcha. That's why like whenever you see cereal boxes that have giveaways, it always says no purchase necessary. Right. But I don't know how you could really enter without purchasing. <laughs> you have to call into this number and, and we'll send you a code. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to post like, I'm going to give away a free piece of art. In order to enter, all you have to do is purchase my book. But and then no, right underneath, no purchase, no ne- purchase necessary. <laughs> <laughs> right after I say purchase the book, right. no purchase necessary. Right. <laughs> and then if anyone does contact you to, to enter, you just give them the entry anyways. It's like, yeah. <laughs> for, for, oh, that's great. <laughs> I always feel like those people that say no purchase necessary, there's no way they're picking a winner from somebody that didn't purchase. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to pick a new number. <laughs> That that's just not likely. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Gotta be careful with these things. You don't want to get in trouble with the law. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I would listen to Andy Pizza's podcast where he talked about remarkable work, but he was also talking about just being like remarkable. This is kind of like directly ripped off from what he was talking about. Like Superman, he's not remarkable on what planet was he from? Krypton. Krypton. Yeah, because everybody is like Superman on Krypton. Yeah, he's nobody. He's a nobody, right? But he comes to Earth and he's like a superhero. And so Russell Brand, he's a comedian, but he doesn't maybe stand out that much from other comedians. But his podcast he does is all about spirituality. And so now he's the funny spiritual guy. And so he's become remarkable in that. He's got a A niche. A niche, right. Dimitri Martin draws pictures for his stand-up, right? Mm-hmm. he's easy to talk about as a comedian because you say like, hey, have you heard of Dimitri Martin? Like, and no. if they say no, you say he's a comedian that does charts and stuff. And then they might say, oh yeah, I have seen him, even though they don't know his name. Right. So maybe you can be the artist that people are like, hey, have you seen this guy's work? And they say, no, make it so that it's easy for them to go, well, he's the artist that does this. Or yeah, He's the artist that's good at accounting. He's the artist that is also... A fireman. <laughs> something. <laughs> you got to have something, right? You got to want to, you want people to just be like, he's the artist that is a fireman. <laughs> I'm trying to think what people might say about my work. How would they describe me? Who knows? Might be different depending on who's saying it, but. He's the artist that makes those interesting, grungy portraits, celebrities. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? They could just say, like, he's the artist. He has Tourette's. He did one of the Tyler covers or something, you know. You become known for something, which is fine. I know actors that are on, like, sitcoms, mm-hmm. they end up hating that after a while. Like, they don't want to be known as Uncle Jesse or... I'm more than just that, but it's okay to have something like that because then people at least know who you are. Right. And you're easy to talk about. Yeah, that is tricky. You're always referred to or recognized as the character instead of you as a person. But actors like that, the older they get, they usually say they're grateful for the role. They appreciate it after a while because they realize that's kept their career afloat. If they never got that job, they probably never would have the career they had. Right. The point is just try to figure out what's unique about you or what you can tell as a story that people will connect with and want to talk about. And so that's what you've got to figure out. You've got to figure out not just how can I make remarkable post, but how can I be a remarkable artist? Mm. And that doesn't mean making the typical definition that you might think of for remarkable, which we said before, just really good work. Because maybe to make work that's just so amazing, that's why people love your work, that's really hard to do. Yeah. You have to really stand out above everyone else 
for that to happen. So, okay, I'm not going to be that person, but how can I make it so that I'm remarkable <laughs> as an artist? And so that's something that you have to figure out, right? What do you do to strive for that? Well, I actually think this is something I'm going to think about more moving forward because it's not something I really have talked through like what we've done this morning. Yeah. And so when I heard Andy talking about it the other day, I was like, he's smart and he's right. And so how can I figure this out? What, what does this even mean? And so moving forward, I'm going to try to think about it more. Mm-hmm. I try to keep things fresh. That's not really remarkable. Lots of people do that. So I'm not really sure. I think a lot of times, I know I may not ever be the best remarkable artist, right? As far as like crazy great. But I can think of remarkable concepts and ideas. And I like to think of the simple solution to what I think is a remarkable idea. Sometimes it's the things that are like right in your face that no one sees, but everyone can relate to and everyone interacts with. But it's so in your face all the time that you don't realize it's remarkable until it's shown to you. Right. Or shown to you in a different light. And I think that's the area I strive to be in, is to find these little things that everyone can relate to and just bring a new life to them. And I think moving forward, both of us will probably give more thought to to yeah. what it means and how we can strive to become that more. How to do things differently. Yeah. How to combine things in ways that maybe haven't been combined before. And that alone can be unique. What about this? So have you ever gone back through your old posts and seen which of my old posts had really good engagement and tried to figure out why it had high engagement? No, I haven't. I think that that's, and especially if you have a business account, you can actually look at the exact engagement on each post more than just the likes. You can view how many views it got, how many website clicks it got, Mm. how many profile views you got from that post. Because more than just looking at other people and what they're doing that's making you want to comment, what have you done in the past that has worked? True. And can you replicate that in some way? True. And so I do that occasionally where I'll go back. Of course, Instagram's just not like it used to be as far as engagement. People are more spending time on TikTok nowadays. So the engagement I know has been lower just because of that recently. But even then, you can still see which posts in the last few weeks got more than the other ones, even if they're not getting as much as you used to get. But the point is, you can figure out what it is if you really look at it. I know in art school, we used to do critiques. And usually when people first get to art school and they're asked to critique work or they're asked, who's your favorite artist? And like, why do you like their work? They have a hard time putting that into words, Mm. what it is about it you like. But then you start learning how to dissect work and talk about it. So you have to do that with your posts. You have to dissect them and figure out what it is about the post that did well and then replicate it. That makes sense. I need to do that more myself and study the analytics or figure out why things worked better than others. Yeah, it can be a challenge too, because sometimes it's just the time of day. But that might be something you look at too. Like what time of day should I post? I don't think that's as important as the other stuff, to be honest. But examine that too. I mean, it can't hurt to see which days the posts are getting more. I'm sure you've looked at that before, like on just go to Google and type in what's the best days or what's the best times to post. Yeah. And they'll tell you. And I've tried to post during those times. And I don't think it always makes that big of a difference. But every little thing like that is good to know. The more you know, the more information you have, the more equipped you are to succeed. Do you think people are just getting more lazy with their social media? Like I know when I'm 
looking through my news feed, a lot of times I'll forget to like something even though I liked it. Yeah, I think so. I think I do that all the time. I'll just scroll. For instance, on TikTok, the only videos I like are ones where I'm like, oh, I want to show my wife this later right. or something. You know, like it's funnier. And, and because I liked it, it bookmarks it a little bit. That's that's what I'm doing. You go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but on Instagram, I think what I do on Instagram is I follow a lot of other artists and bookmark posts that I find inspirational. Mm. And so then when I'm feeling like I have um, creative block, I'll go back and look through all of those liked posts or saved posts so I can see or just feel inspired, you know? Yeah. If you can make work that inspires other artists, you're going to get likes and, and that's a way to become remarkable. But there's just a lot of ways. There really is. It's just a matter of figuring that out and figuring out what it is that you can do. And it might be different than what I do and what Joe does. Right. That's what I was thinking. So, I mean, I don't have really much else to talk about on this subject. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add. It sounds like we've been saying over and over to stay true to yourself, try to show your authenticity, try to show who you are as a person, and don't try to be fake. I feel like people can read right through that and read right through when you're trying to scam people out of a buck or scam people into buying your work. Instead, just give more first and you'll get back tenfold what you give. Give and you shall receive. Connect with people. Connect with your audience as if it's a community and not just as if you're a seller and they're a buyer. Right. Because nobody likes salesy. If you go to a car dealership and the person's really salesy, like you just want to get out of there. Right. But if they created depth and they were my friend before I bought a car, (laughs) I'd be more likely to buy a car from them. (laughs) I used to do phone sales and I hated that job, but I really was good at it. I was one of the better salespeople in the office and it was because I was one of the least salesy people there Mm. and I was genuine with people on the phone and people could feel that, I guess. And so think about that. Try not to look at people as just potential buyers and look at them as human beings and how can you connect to them as a human being yeah i like that well i think that wraps up our podcast for the day if you have any questions comments we'd love to hear from you yeah shoot us an email at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com or either of our instagrams yep and we have a coupon code for our etsy which is thumbnail and use it at checkout and you get 25 percent off no purchase necessary (laughs) awesome all right Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a good one.